This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. And a great king above all the gods. Finish. Is it not simple? Our God is a great God and a great king above all the gods. Our God, our God is a great God. Is a great God, hallelujah, and a great King above all the gods. Can you just lift up your hands as we sing that? Our God, the anointing of the Lord is present tonight. Is a great God, hallelujah, and a great King above. I told you. But there's another part. I won't teach you that part today. I was lost, but Jesus found me. Found the sheep that went astray. Spread his loving arms around me. Drew me back in to his way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's an ancient hymn. Love it so much. You see, the way it happens to me is that when I'm alone, all the modern songs that we sing today are the ones I always remember. Once I come before the people of God, is the ancient ones that nobody knows. Pray for me. I bring you greetings from our pastor, Pastor Sholao Shumakinde, and Pastor Abigail. They love you so much, and it's uh, on their behalf that I, that I want to share the word of God this evening together. Praise the Lord. Right, so this evening we're going to be talking about walking in the light. Very, very quickly. Someone say, walking in the light. Say it again. Don't let me teach you another song. It is a great thing to serve. You know that one now. Walking in the light of God. Oh, walk, walk, walk. Aha, I'm not that See, Your prayer is working already. So there are different aspects of the New Testament. When you read the New Testament, you find out that God used certain people and they are not the same. Of course, we know that Paul wrote to thirds of the New Testament, but he was not the first apostle on the scene. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that it was Peter that stood up, hallelujah, and began to expound to them the gospel, repent every one of you and so on and so forth. It was through his preaching that 3,000, and then when he, he and John healed that man that was lame and all of that, 5,000, he was the first apostle on the scene. 
it was later on after the death of Stephen that we heard of a man called Paul of Tarsus and then towards the end of the New Testament there was a Baba called John he was the one that wrote Revelation he was the one that wrote first John second John third John and Revelation it was after he wrote Revelation that he wrote the gospel according to John that's why his own is different it doesn't start with and this begat that or this and John the Baptist he says in the beginning was the word he had gotten to a particular realm hallelujah so Paul excelled in certain things that we like to call the finished works of Christ while John excelled in certain things we like to call the current ministry of the Holy Spirit they are not exactly the same thing we're on a journey tonight please just follow me so I like to say that Peter spoke of the Messiah, Paul spoke of the Christ, and John spoke of the Word. Hallelujah. I like to say that Peter spoke mainly of the hope of salvation, Paul spoke mainly of the word of faith, while John spoke mainly of the walk of love. Oh, walk, 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 walking in the light. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13 that these three abide, hope of salvation, the word of faith. And the work of love faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love that's why peter wrote to children first peter chapter 2 verse 2 as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word he was talking about the hope of salvation that's what children understand and paul wrote to children and sons he said in galatians chapter 4 he said i think verse 19 my little children of whom I travail in birth until Christ be, Christ be formed against in you, again in you. And he called Timothy and Titus his sons. He was talking about the word of faith. But John wrote to three categories of people, children, to young men, and to fathers. Because when it comes to what it means to be mature in Christ, you need to understand love. Many men of God who are can be called sons of the kingdom they love to talk about faith 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 but with all that teaching of faith sometimes you discover that there is a certain lack of maturity there are all kinds of fights all kinds of factions okay i'm not inviting you to get to my pulpit the man who championed the word of faith is called the father of faith because even though he taught faith he excelled in love Kenehagen. He understood what it meant to walk in love. That's where maturity begins to show. Hallelujah. Are we together? Are we together? Am I, am I boring you this evening? So, Paul excelled in the word of faith, what it means to be born of God, what it means to be born again, what it means to be, you know, to, to receive the new birth and to be a new creation. When I say he excelled, I don't mean that that's all he taught. No. And when I say Peter wrote to children, I, I, in First Peter chapter 5, verse 1, Peter wrote to elders. He said, I'm writing to who I also, who am a fellow elder, I'm writing to you. I'm just talking about what he focused on. When you're talking about the hope of salvation, that's the beginning of faith. The Bible calls hope an anchor for the soul. Hallelujah. Those are people that are 
are just on the ground level. They are just finding their stability in Christ. We talk about the hope of salvation. When we talk about the word of faith, you are talking about the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. That's where the sons come up. That's where the, the manifestation of the spirit is so mighty. But when you talk about love, there's not so much English. The ministries of those that walk in love are not as impressive and as worded as verbose as some people that are have not yet learned to walk in love but they are far more powerful so bottom line is that behind the revelation of what it means to be born again what it means to be born again to be a child of god is a deep mystery and there's a revelation behind it But what it means to walk with God is also a deep mystery and there's a revelation behind it. Paul excelled in the first, but John excelled in the second. I personally like to call John's writings the crown of the New Testament revelation. It's just a personal thing. And when you, when you look at it carefully, you, you will see that progression. Paul, Peter wanted to talk to the Gentiles. He went there, he was the first to talk to the Gentiles. Cornelius, right? He was the first to break that barrier between the Jew and the Gentiles. But he, he, he didn't have, a, he was like, ah, so these people also received the Holy Ghost. He was a bit, you know, every time he got to the Gentiles, he stumbled. That's where he stumbled in Antioch. But Paul entered it fully, entered it fully. He was called the apostle to the Gentiles. But he said that I, I know a man in the flesh or not in the flesh who was caught up to the third heavens and heard some things. He was just caught up to heaven briefly and God gave him a turn in the flesh. Say, if you say what I should, if you see, if you say anything, I will, I will deal with you. God dealt with him because of that revelation. So he also entered into that, into that realm, but he had problems. But John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard a voice saying, Anabino, come up hither. And I will show you things. And the things I'm showing you, write them down. So what Peter tried, but could not do, Paul did. And what Paul tried, but could not do, John entered into it. Hallelujah. And by the ministries of these three men, God brought us a full revelation of Christ. Are we together? So when Peter talks about righteousness, he's talking about righteousness with respect to repentance. When Paul talks about righteousness, he's talking about righteousness with respect to rebirth. But when John talks about righteousness, he's talking about righteousness with respect to relationship. Ah. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So what does righteousness mean? Righteousness means to stand before God. What does it mean to walk in the light? It means that you are standing, when you face God, there is nothing in your life. I'm not talking about the new birth. I'll get to that. I'll talk about it because each of these things, repentance, rebirth, and relationship, are very profound. They are very deep. It's line upon line, precept upon precept. It means that when you stand before God, there's nothing in your life that is amiss. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. There's nothing to hide. And there's no need to hide anything. That's the meaning of righteousness. 
It is the kind of righteousness that John is talking about. You see, when Paul writes, Paul talks about righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, he says, For he made him to be seen who knew no sin, that we might become. He's talking about the one that was imputed to us by the virtue of the fact that we were born again. But when John writes right of righteousness, he's not talking about that one. John says in 1 chapter, John chapter 1 verse 5 that this then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 5 verse 1. I, I, I want, uh, 1 verse 5, right? I want, us to, I want us to see it. And in him is no darkness at all. Right? It says that if we say we have fellowship with him, verse 6 and walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. He's talking about the righteousness that comes through relationship. Hiya. And that's what, that's, that's what I'm defining for you tonight. It means that that person, you stand before God and there's no thought, no feeling, no emotion, no action, nothing in your life. When God looks at you, he sees his perfect reflection. Hallelujah. Are we together? Praise God. That's what made the psalmist, that was David, Psalm 15 verse 1. He said, who shall abide in the tabernacle of the Lord? The same thing in Psalm 24 verse 3. The psalmist said, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? They knew what they were talking about. Because when you read in Testament chapter 6 verse 16, it describes God. It says, God is the one that dwells in unapproachable light. Whom no man has seen nor can see. That was the one that John saw in Revelation chapter 1. I, I believe maybe verse 10 or 11 or so. This was the Jesus that John put his head on his breast. John the beloved. This was John that said, as he is, so are we in this world. When he saw Jesus, the Bible says his eyes were shining like the sun and all of that. He fell down as one dead. But what I'm telling you is that to be righteous means that when you stand before God and someone looks at God in all that resplendence and light and holiness and love and looks at you, they see no difference. I need you to get this tonight because this is where the unction from the Holy One is. This is, what, this is the kind of revelation a person has that he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Hallelujah. You will sit in the corner of trouble and you will be as calm as anything. Because you know as he is, so am I in this world. It is a revelation. And it's that kind of revelation that will make you to just shake sin off. Stop struggling with it. Because the only person that can do that, the only person that has done that ever, the only person that can stand before the Father, I love the words of the Nicene Creed. You know, the Apostles' Creed is very straightforward. It says, I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Father, the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. It goes straight. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Uh, uh, um, no, no, that's the, that's the Nicene Creed. I'm coming there. I believe in the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Just go straight like that. But the Nicene Creed says, I believe in God the Father, the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. You see, this is why Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ came 
Because when the father looked at him, he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. In other words, God sees his perfection in Jesus. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Now, Jesus did not come to give us a religion. He did not come to give us a Bible. He did not come to give us some scriptures to quote or some tongues to tongue. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Let's, let's look at it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says, for this reason, the just suffered for the unjust. Hallelujah. That he might do what? That he might bring us to God. That he might bring us to God. And this is where certain people that teach new creation realities, they miss it. They don't understand that there's a journey. There's a journey. Hallelujah. That new birth by definition is birth. What does birth mean? Birth means birth is the beginning of the encounter. Hallelujah. It is not the entirety of the encounter. When you are born again, your spirit is like a newborn baby that is in small. Everything that God is in large. Hallelujah. You have the genes and the DNA of God. As you begin to walk towards God. Hallelujah. Lekabas, building up yourself on your most holy faith. That's what Jesus Christ did when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration and he began to shine. The Bible says so. I believe it's Daniel chapter 12 verse 3. It says that those that turn that wind souls are wise and they will shine like the brightness of the firmament and those that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever if you see yourself the way you are in the spirit you are shining like god in unapproachable light the, the, you are not afraid of the devil the devil is afraid of you It's the beginning of the encounter. The Bible says, For he that comes to God must believe that he is. That is what the Christian race is. He that comes to God. It is the most powerful place to stand in the universe. You stand facing God. When you stand facing God, certain things have got to go. People don't know this. It's easier for them to come to church than to come to God. It's easier for them to be a cell leader, a worker, to be a long-term Christian and all those kind of things than to come to God. They come to God. You see, people will come, they will come to church. That's why Jesus Christ said, let me explain to you. Let me explain to you what it means to come to God. If you bring a sacrifice before God and you remember that your brother has something against you, not that you have something against your brother. You know, sometimes you say something like, I, mean, I don't have anything. No, I've seen. There's, nothing, there's nothing in my heart. See my heart. See my heart. So I love Jesus. He didn't say you are feeling something. He says, if your brother has something against you, he says, leave it there. Because if it is God you came to bring that thing to, you have to settle that thing first. When you face God and there's nothing in your life that is contrary to his love or to his will or to his holiness, that is righteousness. That is what it means when he says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, hi. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I want everyone to start praying in, in, in the language of the Holy Ghost. Just pray. If you know how to do that, in, in, one, in 60 seconds, just open your mouth up and begin to pray. I want to show you something in the scriptures. I hope you see it tonight. In the little time that we have left. If you can raise up your hands. Carry me here, sir. 
love, love. Draw me close to you. I want to be where you. Let me show you something. Hallelujah. Someone shout hallelujah. So people don't know that Jesus Christ died for us so that he can live for us. They don't know that he died for us, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again. He rose again because the life that he died for was useless. And so if he died and stayed there, we will still be with the useless life. We will just be paid for and we will be free. But we'll, be, we'll not be able to come to God. Oh, Jesus died. We were born, we were in bondage to Satan. So Jesus Christ died to deliver us from Satan. He, and the price was dead. So he died. But he rose again to bring us to God. If he did not rise again, we'll just be there. That's why he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I can't remember the verse that if Christ did, is not raised then you are still in your sins. And our preaching is vain. He died that I might live and he lives that I might stay, that I might stay dead. That's why the Bible says that we just judge that if one died, then all were dead. And those who live should no longer live unto themselves, but live unto him that died for them and rose again. So the first side of righteousness is that Jesus Christ became sin for me. The second side is that Jesus Christ has become life for me. He is my life. He is my righteousness. Hallelujah. I, I, oh God. So how, how did Jesus bring us to God? How did he bring us to God? Ha, Father, help me to say this. How did he bring us to God? Did he just, you know, carry us on his shoulder and say, hey, open. Because if you go back to that place we read in, in Psalm 24, it says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Of the Lord? Who shall ascend into the holy place? When you get to verse 7, it says, lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. The Bible says that when he was at that gate, he was ascending the hill for us. He was leading captivity captive. I want to show you something. He did not bring us to God. He presented himself before God and said, Lord, I am the first of their kind. What you see in me is what they are. People don't know this. People don't know that that is why he died as the lamb. But he was raised as the high priest. He was not raised as the, as the lamb. Hallelujah. That's why he died in public. But when he was raised up, he appeared only to his disciples. Because he died as the savior of the world, but he lives as the savior of the body. Hallelujah. He's the propitiation for the sins of the whole world, but he's only the advocate for the church. His current ministry is to the church. But as the atonement lamb is to the entire world. Oh, Father. So he presented himself to God. The Bible says that he might appear before God for us. I want us to see it. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 to 20. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 to 20. Righteousness is a revelation. Walking with God is a revelation. The day, it says, let's read it together. Let's go. It says, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise. Who are the heirs of promise? 
Hallelujah. The immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. Verse 18. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. I can't hear you. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Verse 19. Which hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entered into that within the veil. Hallelujah. Verse 20. Whither the forerunner is for us entered. Even Jesus. What is a forerunner? I want you to picture in a thread and a needle. A needle is affixed to a thread because the tailor wants to sew. Now, the needle and the thread, once you fix them together, they form one unit. Is that correct? Now, once the thread, once the needle pierces the fabric and enters into the other side, even though it's only the needle that has entered, hallelujah, and the thread is still on this side of the fabric. Are you following my, my analogy? Praise God. The thread cannot say, we have not entered. Hey! <laughs> because we are together. We are one. The thread cannot say, oh, we have not entered. Uh, because there's no difference between the, it's one unit. Are we together? But neither can the thread say that because the needle has entered, let me stop moving. Otherwise, no sewing will be accomplished on that day. Praise God. Do, do you understand that, that analogy of the, of the needle and thread? So it, so it is with every saint on this side of, of eternity. The dispensation of grace in, in, in that moment where the needle has passed through the fabric is like the church. The church is like the thread and Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the chief leader. After he had been, you know, he, had, he, came, to, he came to this world, he conquered sin. Ah, yeah. He conquered sin, right? He conquered death. Lift up your head, O you gates. He crossed over to the other side and he sat down. That's the middle of it is finished. It means that if the needle has passed through, the thread will pass through. As long as you abide in me and my words abide in you, it is it's finished. So everything that is true of you is 100% real only in one person. He is the embodiment of everything that God has made you. He is the one that has passed over to the other side and sat down. He is the head of the church. Behind him, there is a procession that has begun. A people have been called out. Everyone in that procession is collectively defined by the position of the head. Now, thanks be unto God that causes us to triumph in Christ. Hallelujah. I like the way I, I didn't write the NIV or any other places that leads us in, in a triumphant match with Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> so, if you are joined with Christ, whatever has happened to Christ is your eternal destiny in God. If Christ will stand before God and there's no difference between the two, that's why Jesus Christ died. So that when you stand before God, there will be no difference between the two. Hallelujah. That's what it means when he says, as he is, so are we in this world. But every aspect of that thread is still moving to eventuate in that final position of the head. So Jesus Christ is facing God for you so that you can face God in him. 
He's standing before God for you so that you can stand before God in him. Hallelujah. Let's see Hebrews chapter 7 verse 26. Hebrews 7 26. One of, I think it's my most favorite epistle. I don't exactly know who wrote it. All right. Let me begin. Let me try to begin to wrap this up. Hebrews 7 26. It says, for such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. Look at how he describes Jesus here. What's the first one? Holy, right? Second one? Second, third? Fourth? See, note the adjectives. They are very different from how he describes the lamb. The lamb was not separate from sinners. He made him to be seen. So understand that there are two different ministries, but that they are joined together. The lamb became seen and went to hell for us. The high priest is sinless and ascended into heaven. And the Bible says he's higher than the heavens. Let's read on verse 27. Who does not need daily and all of that? Verse 28. Something about judgment. So that will be Hebrews chapter 7. If you have your Bible on your phone or something. I want you to see it. It talks there about the second coming of Jesus. It talks about when the Lord will come again. It's not like when he came before. He came, all right, to, be, to bear the sins of the whole world. But he's coming, the Bible says he's coming without sin. All right, so it says, for the law appoints high priests. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. It says, and, and as it is appointed unto men unto die, but after this is the judgment. Verse 28. It says, So Christ was offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him he shall he appear the second time without sin, unto salvation. So there's a difference between the two. All right? You see, he, he, he died. He's both the lamb and the high priest. He died as the lamb and was raised as the high priest. As the lamb, he's the savior of the world. But as the high priest, he's the savior of the church. As the lamb, he's the propitiation for all men. But as the high priest, he's the advocate for the church. As the lamb, he became sin, died and went to hell. But as the high priest, he's sinless, he lives, and is higher than the heavens. The ministry of the lamb was the ministry of death. But the ministry of the high priest is the ministry of life. When I see Jesus as, the, as my atonement lamb, I can see that he died to set me free. But when I see him as the high priest, I can see that he's living to make me sinless. He died for my sin, but he's living to make me sin. That's why the Bible says that he's holy, harmless, undefiled. That's the Jesus of the church. There's the Jesus of the world, the one that died before the world. That was the atonement lamb. And there's the high priest of the church. The high priest of the church is not the one that carried all the sins of the whole world. No, that's the lamb. He, he's both the lamb and the high priest. The high priest of the church is sinless and is coming without sin. For those that are, that, that, that's what the Bible says, a husband love your wives as Christ loved the church, that he might sanctify it unto himself. A church without spot and without blemish. I believe that's Hebrews, Ephesians chapter 5. Or, or any such thing. That is the Jesus that lives. Higher. So people struggle with sin because they are struggling with righteousness. They understand that Jesus Christ died for them, but they don't understand that Jesus Christ lives for them. They keep seeing the one that died for them. Say, Lord, I repent again. Help me, help me. They do not see 
they've not seen the revelation of the Jesus Hebrews 9 24 that is standing before God for them. The holy, let's look at Hebrews chapter 9 verse 29. That's the holy Jesus. That's the, that, that's the resurrected Jesus. Hebrews 9 24. Please, can we have Hebrews 9 24? Thank you, Lord. He died to save the world, but he lives only for the church. He lives only for the church. He says, for Christ is not entered just imagine that needle and thread into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself now to appear before in the presence of God for us that Christ we're talking about is a sinless Christ he's saying to the father father all the ones that I died for I am now living for them and this is how they look light for light brightness for brightness that's why the bible says as many as he justified through the sacrifice he also glorified through his high priesthood hallelujah Amen. it says as many as god foreknew he predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son hallelujah those whom he predestinated them he also called as many as he called he justified and as many as he justified he glorified there's a revelation behind justification and there's a revelation behind glorification i am telling you that john the apostle he caught the revelation behind glorification he could not die it's called the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus the the touch says that they put him inside hot oil as you know, they had killed almost all the apostles. He was one of the last left. They put him inside hot oil. He did not boil. He did not. No, they said this guy is a witch. That's when they put him. They dumped him on the island of Patmos. It was there he received revelation. I've seen Jesus. I have seen Jesus. He's so handsome than any man I know. I've seen Jesus, he lives in my heart. He's so handsome than any man. That is who you are. That's why Jesus died and rose again to stand before God and say to the Father, I'm not the only one. They are coming, there are plenty behind me and they are all like me. As I am, Father, so are they in the world. And that's why he gave us his Holy Spirit. That's the spirit that raised up Christ from the dead. That's what the Bible says. As, as we all behold us in the middle of the glory of the Lord, we are transformed for he that comes to God must believe. It is that, that kind of revelation that makes you to, be, to begin to groan. You know, Paul began to write and say that we groan to be, that mortality may be swallowed up of life. This is your heritage. This is your story. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want you to lift up your hands this evening and just say, Father, thank you. Because you died and you rose again. <laughs> you rose again for me. Holy Spirit, I ask that you open up my heart to receive everything that Jesus represents before the Father on my behalf. I want you to open your mouth and begin to pray in the language of the Holy Ghost for about 30 seconds. Libra Lord, open my eyes. 
seated upon the throne. Open my eyes to see the resurrected Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want to walk in the light. And this is the light. To walk as Jesus is and to walk as he walked. To walk in the reality of his life. I want you to rise to your feet this evening and just open your mouth and just pray in the language of the Holy Ghost. Shine on me, Lord. Shine. Let that heavenly light shine. The Bible says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. The psalm we started with says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Say, Lord, take my hand and lead me in the path of light. The path of the just like the shining light. What happens as you come to God, you become more like the G resurrected Jesus. Everything he died and rose again for becomes true in your experience. You begin to shine brighter. Thank you, Father. Oh, glory to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast. You know, we never like to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Coming into Christ is beyond joining a church, is beyond a religion. It is joining God's family. And that is done when you believe in Christ Jesus. So I just want to lead you right away now. If you, are, if you want to give your heart to Christ, just say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again and that you paid for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior, and from today I belong to you. If you have said those words, we'll be late, you are born again, you are part of God's family right now. You can go ahead and rejoice about it. God bless you. We love you. Stay blessed.